Today, I had the great pleasure of talking to industry heavyweight Julius Solaris, uh, who comes from Event MB, worked with Hopin, worked with Swapcard. Um, guy has a resume a thousand miles long. Um, we talked about uh, event tech. We talked about the way that the industry is changing, what event platforms need to do to stand out in this ever-changing field of COVID, no COVID. It's, it's crazy. It was a fantastic conversation. Please enjoy. Julius, welcome to the Better Podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Of course, of course, of course. So you are, I, I believe, a heavy hitter uh, and have had a huge career in the event, event tech industry. I would love for you to give us a brief sort of introduction. Who are you and where you come from? Yeah, I mean, when you start saying you have the huge, huge career, it means you're getting old. So I appreciate that. <laughs> nice, uh, nice way of saying that. My beard is getting gray. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been in media for 15 years. I founded a website called uh, EventMB. We've been the go-to resource uh, mm-hmm. for the events industry for a while, especially when it gets to uh, in-depth research uh, about event technology and event trends. Um, some of our most popular reports were the Event Hub Bible. We've been the first to talk about the Event App Revolution. That's how old I am, 2009. And, uh, well, we started with 2012, actually. But, you know, we've been following the evolution of Event Tech. Um, event Tech has been my passion. I also run, uh, started uh, a company in Event Tech with 6,000 customers that I sold in 2018. I sold another Event MB to Skift, um, large travel media publication that just announced their sunset in the brand, um, you know, a week ago. So event and really? go away. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the closure oh, no. to that project. And uh, yeah, February 2021, I made the, the jump and joined the event tech companies. That was the, the end game that I didn't say mm-hmm. tell anybody for 15 years, I guess, <laughs> quite a long <laughs> uh, project. But no, I mean, I always had a passion. I worked mm. with... Um, a lot of marketing teams for the years of every single company you can think of in the event tech space from Eventbrite to Cvent to Double Dutch, all these uh, big household names pre-pandemic. Obviously, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, we did um, six events with 70,000 people and NMB, and obviously <sighs> that, that went ballistic and, and it joined Swapcard in uh, 2021. And um, mm-hmm. a few months afterwards, I moved to Hopin. That mm-hmm. venture ended uh, a couple of months ago, and now I'm a management consultant for event leaders, meaning uh, event tech CEOs or uh, CEOs of large event portfolio companies uh, that, you know, helping them with go-to-market strategy, marketing strategy, or content strategy, depending mm-hmm. on the client, um, on how to navigate, essentially, these tumultuous times and, uh, you know, this uncertainty that we've all, we're all living in. That's absolutely, me. absolutely. Like I said, huge career, huge career. Um, I want to get like right into it then. So, in your opinion, what is going on in the events industry today? Like COVID, not COVID, in person. What's your take on it? I think we're still we're still like uncertain. We still don't know. Like if you'd asked me like um, three months ago, I probably would have said like we're still 
looking at hybrid as a potential solution, but the market has shifted dramatically towards in-person in a much more strong way that we were expecting all of us. Even if we saw something like that last year during summer, you know, the comeback to in-person is very, very strong, too strong maybe uh, for the current market because, you know, stuff like uh, raising costs and inflation and uh, unavailability of workforce are making it very difficult for event planners to go back to in-person. Some venues are mm. moved out until 2024. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of demand. As a result, um, event tech companies are struggling to keep the momentum going with this virtual evolution revolution that should have happened that it's actually correlating negatively with uh, the comeback to in-person, meaning that whenever in-person is back, virtual goes way down, mm -hmm. way, way down in terms of planners using it, in terms of attendees attending it, uh, virtual events. Therefore, we don't know what, what will happen with, with, with autumn and with fall. Is there going to be new waves? Is there going to be limitations? You know, there's talk right now to reintroduce mandates in the U.S. because of COVID spreading again. So it's still very, very uncertain times and that require incredible level of flexibility for event planners to navigate and adapt their strategy mm. to short-term success. So those yeah. that are able to essentially say, are now is in person, tomorrow is going to be virtual and switch between the two uh, with ease, those are the ones that are advantaged. You talk predominantly about the US market there. I think that's, that's generally where you're based. Are you seeing the same sorts of things in Europe, Australia, same across the board? I would say so. I would say that um, um, Europe and Australia, I mean, I was just uh, listening to podcasts where someone was describing the amount of time that in Australia uh, they spent in, in lockdown. And it's just unbelievable compared to what we've experienced here in the US. So yeah. I think that it's even stronger in those uh, countries that have been more strict with the lockdown rules or with the mask mandates and stuff. I'm Italian, so I see, you know, in Italy, even to date, you know, you have to show a pass to get into places. You know, it's still like mm. very, very tough. While here in the U.S., there's virtual no limitation, like everything is back to what it was since like a few yeah. months now. So I would expect even more push to in-person in Europe and um, Asia-Pacific which is still experiencing a big wave right now and lots of closures. Would you class hybrid as virtual as well, or, or do you think there's a big separation? All these events going back in person, are they going hybrid, or is it just, no, we're just not bothering? It depends. Um, first off, it's tough to make like general claims about where the market is going in events mm. because you know it's so fragmented and there's so many verticals type of events uh, it's different to see a general wave other than you know a comeback to in person because you see you know multiple uh data points sort of going in the same direction and therefore there's sort of uh, patterns that you could say safely you know this is what is relevant right now for hybrid specifically very difficult to say it's definitely consensus that hybrid is very tough to implement for a lot of events um mm -hmm. where there's still one budget the budget is not enough with raising costs and therefore like planning two good experiences one online one offline is incredibly more difficult mm -hmm. than it was before especially as the expectations for virtual have increased substantially 
So therefore, like just having a camera is not going to cut it. Like you need yeah. to have something more advanced, you know, hosts, dedicated studio, a whole like, you know, meeting design for, yeah. for, the, for the virtual piece. As a result, mm. um, I think a lot of, um, I think, I hope a lot of planners are in, embracing more of a hybrid event strategy as opposed to a synchronous hybrid event. Meaning we're moving probably away to having two concurrent experiences at the same time, but more embracing more virtual activations during the year that sort of culminate into an in-person experience. That makes a lot of sense. I spoke to a lot of uh, CEOs of owners of events that even if they don't make money, sometimes lose money on virtual activations, they see the impact that those have in marketing terms and how mm. they help to convert people to in-person um, yeah, create the community feeling, right? So Yeah, interesting. So it's kind of building a, a, a video-based channel where they're constantly doing small events, low, low cost, low budget, heavily marketing, growing that, that leads list for their end-of-year large conference They've built that community. That's really interesting. I'm sure you're pretty much across all of the event tech providers. What are your thoughts on on how well the pre-COVID tech providers have pivoted into the COVID and then out again? Yeah, I love to geek out in this stuff. I feel that <laughs> you know it's been it's been great how a lot of companies. So until from from April 2020 until April 2021, I think we've seen incredible pace of development and embracing mm. this new nature of events because there was almost like a direct correlation between how much founders were putting into product and how that was converting into more business right so they saw mm. their relationship and therefore they were like shipping new features you know at an incredible pace that i've ever seen in 15 years mm. where you know a small feature request feature announcement I don't know, like having boots weekly, you know, something like that. No, even like you would have a press release for a feature that nobody cared about. Right. You know what I mean? Like for <laughs> years, that yeah. was news. Never seen anything quite like it. I was, I was pumped and excited, mm. but I think now the downfall of virtual to a certain extent, or the lack of adoption on a longer term perspective to be blamed on these platforms as well that stopped developing for innovation and creating new ways and like thinking strategically. A lot of people, you know, started sort of building up sales teams. These sales teams have been starting to go against each other, race to the bottom, shipping features that, you know, are market driven, not innovation driven. Mm -hmm. So whenever you start playing that battle, it's great because you win more customers, but it doesn't make you relevant on the longer term especially with, uh, yeah. with event planners who have incredibly high switching patterns. And literally, mm. I've seen at the com previous companies I was with, like some planners that would be testimonials that we would put on a page to promote our product to then yeah. be on Twitter asking, what platform should I look at, you know, in the space <laughs> of two months? And I'm like, what? Wow. Like, I thought you were an ambassador. There's no such thing in the event industry. No. It's the very nature of events. I don't blame them because they're evolving experiences and there's evolving needs. This is like mm. a transient component of events. And therefore, platforms have to embrace that speed of development. Otherwise, they're going to be felt as sort of uh, old, uh, ancient, mm. very quickly. 
this is what it's happening right now. Like, you know, mm. this, oh, you have exhibitor booths and you have a studio with live stream. Everybody has that. It's commodity. Mm. Doesn't, doesn't make it special. You're not helping me to connect people better. You're not making experience special. And therefore, everybody's bored. You know, we'll go back to in-person and have, uh, I don't know, someone that spits on fire is going to be more exciting that, you know, looking at your virtual event that, you know, is just flat. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go back and be bored in person rather than be bored online. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in person, there's always that component of serendipity, meaning yep. that whatever the planner fails, and the planners fail a lot in person, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, you know, that in person where, where the, this amazing thing that we're solving all the world's issue before the pandemic. Actually, there was a lot of boring <laughs> events and there still are, you know, today in person. But there's that unexpected component of bumping into yeah. people in, you know, the ales, what I, what I refer to, well, not me, I mean, what I guess uh, people refer to as liminality. So that concept mm. of like bumping into people uh, in uh, the corridor between two sessions, right? Where you kind of you mm. have that unexpected meeting. It's actually the only thing you remember about an event. You don't remember yeah. that speaker. You know, maybe you will remember two takeaways, but what you're concentrated on is that going outside your comfort zone. It's very difficult to do that on a virtual environment. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the sort of going back to that sort of old players coming into the new market. During covid as you said, there was a ton of new players coming to the market, Bettercast included. What is your thoughts on the, you know, the older platforms who had the limitations that pivoted into delivering online? Uh, like 720p was a, a you know, limitation. That's the best they could do for video. And then you have a lot of the new players come in with all of these higher level of quality of, of production of deliverability. What do you think the kind of the key differences are going to be? in the next, say, six months between those new startups, those new players with the higher quality tech and the older, more established players? So I think the biggest revolution that actually happened is not virtual events during the pandemic. It's actually mm. video production and having platforms mm. that support an easier way to stream content online. And obviously events are part of it, of that revolution. But I was attending South by Southwest. I was walking through the exhibitor space and there was an incredible number of new solutions for creators to stream their content and connect their community there's a live component to that that can be translated in an event very exciting very cool but like an event platform as such in most cases 90 percent 95 percent of the cases they're glorified websites with 2d interfaces with like some sections you can click on and like stuff that has been developed off of open source code that is available to everybody to use. It's mm. very little development. It's part of the pivot. Like every thought, everybody thought, oh, we're going to be so clever using that studio uh, framework that everybody else is using. I think that worked at the beginning, but then obviously showed mm. its limitations on a longer term. So therefore, I feel that the streaming component, the, the live streaming component, the content production component, that's that's giving a lot of value because it's cutting an incredible amount of cost out of budgets for virtual production, where you usually mm. needed to work with incredible, incredibly difficult OBS implementations. I'm getting technical here, but like you know, software that is like clumsy to use, and mm. you know, different views, impossible for someone to self-produce with a team 
right now you mm. have solutions where everybody can can you know drag and drop speakers having different views you know having them to share slides easy like not a big deal that's massive i think that's mm. that's the biggest revolution platforms as such they're not delivering to me the standards still very very low do you think that the production teams are changing the way that these events are being delivered i mean as you said you know people just you can sit there as an event manager uh, and deliver your own event in in whatever studio or you can skill up use vmix or obs and sort of produce something with a little bit more skill a little bit more pizzazz or you go to a production team who's been doing this for a long time we've talked to a lot of production guys over the period and so seeing a lot of this very high-end tech that they're able to bring to a venue now do you think that the next you know six months 12 months is going to be driven by the production team the production teams are are doing extremely well i think they're they're still like I was I was um, at an event on site uh, in a studio with like high level production and, um, you know, incredible team behind it. And they told me they were like they couldn't keep up with demand. So they're mm -hmm. still like overwhelmed. There's still a lot of demand for that. And with the comeback of in person, they do both. Right. So they, they can mm -hmm. there's a lot of demand for that. So there's a lot of uh, eye candy that is needed right now for the implementations, whether it's in person or online. So production teams are gonna be doing that. Now, are production teams driving this? I mean, if production teams are driving events, we're screwed. I mean, that's not their job. It's <laughs> not what they should do. Like there's, there's, there's gotta be someone, a strategist that comes in place yeah. with a plan of action, with clear content, with meeting design, event design, and like pass that vision to a production team that is able to make it happen. I, you know, if production teams take charge, then what's the point of having event planners to begin with? Yeah. What's the point of having <laughs> events to begin with? Like if production yeah. teams would run their own events. But I think it's two completely different jobs. Now, there's, there's obviously a level of quality that production teams have to ensure and like uh, set the expectations right with event planners, educate them to get to the level of quality that the market wants right now. But for them to control, the content, the strategy of the event, the objectives of the event, absolutely not. I did see that for a short time, or maybe still, there was a, a raft of platforms coming out that were VR, AR-driven, you know, this whole new metaverse of events. What are your thoughts on those platforms? Do you think mass adoption for this sort of thing is just around the corner? Listen, uh, you know, whenever I uh, you comment on these things, uh, I want to I give you a disclaimer here. Um, there's always some people that are doing it right, where strategy in mind, raising money, doing great. You know, they really have a vision. They live in it. They believe in it. Kudos to them. Big respect. There's also a lot of other people, and that's the majority. And I think that sort of the pivot of desperation so it started during the, the pandemic with first pivoting to virtual events. Great. Everybody loved it. It was the only chance that we had to meet. We embraced it. Then the pivot to hybrid because all of a sudden, you know, the CFO is looking at the numbers and going to the CEO and telling them, listen, like orders are not coming in anymore. It's like mm. in person is coming back. What are we going to do? Hybrid. Hybrid is a solution to all our problems. And all of a sudden, hybrid becomes the agenda of marketing teams, and the future is hybrid. Then all of a sudden, in-person comes in, and like, all right, in-person is the thing. What can we do to stay relevant? Let's pivot to virtual. And like, you see the progression in some companies that started with virtual, moved to hybrid, and now offer the metaverse. 
as the alternative buzzword to keep capturing essentially, I don't want to use a loaded word, but like ignorance, that's the word yep. right now because you're ignoring what what's at the basis of planning events, which is providing value and connecting people however they want. Would, do they want to meet in the metaverse, in business events? I can tell you for sure. No, they don't. They no. don't. There's no way they will. Like I've, I've spoken to an event planner that runs large association meetings, 50,000 plus doctors. And he told mm. me like, we were desperate. We couldn't get them to click on a Zoom link and join a call. They couldn't do it. How do you expect these people to be on a metaverse? Like, tell me, because I'm curious. It's not going to happen. It will happen probably five months, five years, 10 years with new generations that are kind of like we're born during this pandemic and see virtual as natural to them. Mm. The new class of event planners that just like, you know, don't believe in in-person. I've had this conversation. They said this in-person thing is going to go away, right? That's what they told mm. me, right? New generations. I want to see them thriving. They're going to fork the industry into something like that. Absolutely, it's going to happen. I can see that happening. The state of things right now is just a buzzwords for desperate people that uh, want to get revenue. I think the whole AR, VR will only ever truly take off when it's sitting in my glasses right here, when these are connected and overlaying additional information. I think that the large goggles, well, I, I do have a set over there of Oculus. I like it. I mean, I, I have Oculus as well. I mean, I've tried like, you know, I'm again, we're gray beard enough to remember Google glasses and Snap oh, yeah. uh, glasses, now Facebook glasses, uh, wear glasses. I mean, you know, if someone nails it, great. I mean, it's before we got to the iPhone, we got many failed iterations of uh, smartphones that, you know, people couldn't mm. use, literally. I mean, great ideas that we can connect to, but, like, the implementation matters here, right? How we do it, mm. actually, for events, matters quite a lot, the way we do it, because we're trying to replicate that experience. So will it be glasses? Maybe. Will it be visors? Maybe. Will it be just, like, a flat computer in front of us? Maybe. I don't know. What I can tell you is that right now we're far away from it, especially in business environments. Concerts, fashion shows, whatever, they're transient. You have to leverage on whatever it's called right now. That's a completely different proposition from trade shows, convention meetings, and all of that, which actually are the one trillion business uh, that we're talking about. And I think I think you're right. The music and fashion will kind of lead the technology. NFT ticketing, for instance, very heavily in music because of the use case of 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 the NFT tickets. Business NFT. So, yeah, it's interesting that the tech, yeah, the tech will change, but business generally won't. Um, right. And that kind of leads me on to the next question of, is the industry is, seems to be becoming far more, more complex. You have this raft of event managers going back. It's just like it used to be before COVID and then realizing, well, actually, no, it's not. And you have to start considering two separate as you said, two separate kind of experiences for people online or even recording and then editing and hosting the content to build those continuous experiences. Where do you think people could keep up to date now that Event MB is not going to be around in much time? No, no, don't get me wrong. People... Like Skift is going to keep on, like they, they're just rebranding. Oh, okay. Meeting. Okay. <laughs> so they're going to keep on talking about events. You know, they're just uh, yeah. sunsetting the brand, but like, they have a whole okay. editorial team. You know, there's great publication. It's Skift, it's Dispatch, it's North Star. You know, uh, great, uh, great publications, meetings, and events. I feel that I actually find a lot of the information on Twitter and 
following the right people. That's for me is like the best source of information because once you kind of get good at it and you have a good selected networks of sources in quotes, I feel then you have access to what matters in terms of information. Whatever gets to you is what matters. The rest, you know, there's still a lot of pay for play in the industry. You know, it's part of that. Mm. So of media, I know how it works. Like you gotta you know, it's extremely tough to to run media in the events industry because like companies don't spend as much um as mm. the other verticals. So you gotta be able to compromise. So there's still a lot of that content floating around. Um therefore, yeah. like sometimes I feel that social free from those dynamics and people speak more naturally um then but the problem with social is like obviously the polarizing effect that social has and therefore like you have facebook groups chanting the feast of like the demise of virtual events you know without thinking that essentially you're shooting on your foot because like mm. you know if you remember anything about 2019 2018 you know that we were going towards market saturation and like event planners were scrabbling to find new business models. And all of a sudden you have, you are presented with an opportunity, which is virtual events. And you're like saying, oh no, in person is the best. Well, good luck to you yeah. to make it relevant for the future. How are you going to make more money? Tell me with 50% mm. attendance, I'm all ears. I've been going through your LinkedIn posts and a lot of your, your Twitter posts. Uh, and one you posted really recently, I think it's like the definition of what is the uh, the current situation? And there's two points in that I wanted I, I wanted to bring out. Inflation is driving costs up. Budgets for virtual and in-person tech will go down. This is inevitable as event professionals try to save money. Hybrid is not the scope for many events. Do you think that? And again, touching on what you just said, that because inflation is increasing, um, the costs are being driven down for the technology. The costs are coming down for the production. That even though there is this desire to go back in person, that the industry is going to be forced into adapting again into a new sort of model? Well, it could be. Um, I was just talking to a CEO of a large, large Ventec uh, player. And I was saying, like, we'll see what happens because with this inflation going up, maybe there's going to be a bounce back of virtual. And it w there will be. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're downplaying virtual as, as almost like, it's done and done and done <laughs> and we're moving on. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a new category that it's there and it's massive. Now, it's mm. not as massive as during the first three months of the pandemic because that was a false environment, like false by, mm. you know, metrics and, and behaviors that are not going to happen again, probably anytime soon. You know, mm. if we all end up like Wally. And like we're all sitting in our house, and we have people like bringing stuff to us, which is happening in many many cases. Uh, you know, probably that's going to be the only way we consume events going forward. You know, if we really, but mm. like I question that seriously. It, there's there's a good split, but like virtual has gained an incredible market share on in-person events. Some people will not travel to in-person events anymore. Mm at least for, for the foreseeable future, for, for mm. a few years. I can tell you that. They can be bothered. First off, because they're in-person events they, of reference, they suck. They're awful. Mm. It's not worth for them to go all the way and travel for like three, four days and leave the family and all this work from home environment they created for themselves and their new Peloton activity, whatever it is. They stick <laughs> to that. You know what I mean? Like they love it. The, why do I need to go away for a uh, mediocre event right so a lot of events are going to be caught in that so i feel that 
There's a new category there for virtual. It's not as big as we thought it was going to be, but it's still big enough to allow for new players to come in, for someone to dominate with with the right product, and eventually to be an alternative for those events that we didn't need to have to begin with, Mm. to trim the Mm. fat of those events that were mediocre to begin with. The second point in, out of that specific post is about support. And, and you say, support the hell out of planets. Couldn't agree more. Strong support makes winning in person uh, easier. Uh, I'm astounded by how many companies don't get this, start showing for support from the sales process. When there's so many platforms all basically doing the same thing, from the sounds of it, you think you're saying support is probably one of the key differentiators uh, for everyone involved. Would would you agree with that or? Sure. I've worked with uh, incredible customer success people at previous companies and right now with some clients that I'm working with. Like I see when there's a customer success culture uh, within some companies, how that plays out, how that builds relationships. You know, at the end of the day, this was a highly controversial tweet that I put out asking, it was just a question, was just asking how many people believe in awards when they make... um, (laughs) selection for for their suppliers in the events industry mm. like essentially like 99 percent of people other than those that were running awards themselves said uh you know we don't believe in it what we believe is referral mm. from other planets so how do you build that mm. referral word of mouth by incredible relationships built on the ground and support is an incredible part of it and that starts with the sales process like i've cost millions of dollars in business to a lot of companies because i told some many planners that reached out to me, like, what platform should I use? I, I told them, like, run this test, like, send a sales request and see, first off, like, how fast they reply, how helpful they are, how transparent they are. Like, immediately, you can tell, like, you know, if you're not even replying to my sales question, this is not a matter of, like, being always on. This is a matter of, like, understanding the intrinsic needs of running events. You got to be on call immediately. And if you're, like, lazy with my sales request what is going to happen in support during the event like you know exactly. in sales you're incentivized by getting my business in support you're like this is annoying i have to just mm. like you know keep on going there's no reward and stuff like that so that that's like a test to see who's sort of dialed in with uh with the mentality of planners or not and you know i've i've had great platforms that looked amazing on on paper to reaching out Oh, yeah. Sorry, we're busy right now. We'll get back to you as soon as possible with a sales review. I was like, no, moving away right now. Yeah, it's no. not going to work for us. <laughs> not for me. I mean, maybe it works for some other people. You're a very, very busy consultant. If someone, I, I'm, I'm, I, I expect so. If someone wanted to reach out and talk to you, how could they do that? Absolutely. So, Julius at boldpush.com um, or at to Julius everywhere on social media. Or Julius Solaris on LinkedIn, whatever. I'm active on Twitter, LinkedIn. Not as much of a TikTok and Instagram influencer yet, but I'm working on it. And, uh, you know, yeah, email Julius at boldpush.com. There's uh, projects we can work on together. Absolutely. And uh, lastly, do you have any, like, final words for production people trying to navigate the event world today? So I feel that being confident in your capabilities to elevate the experience is going to come off. Sometimes I feel there's a little bit uh, too much obsession with the details on a production level. Step that back a little bit. I was just 
up an event on site as a speaker. And like, I got a lot of pressure from the production team and I started to feel nervous, which I never feel on stage because of too much perfection seeking. Take it easy. This is events. You know, this is not TV production, right? Still events and like Mm. have been natural in events. It's very important for the end game. Otherwise it feels an ethereal sort of production that doesn't connect with people. So allow for the human error. That's actually welcome. That's what makes your event different. And by error, I mean not major production blunders and stuff like stuff that doesn't work. I mean for the human to be a human. Sometimes, you know, working in tech, you get carried away very easily with striving for perfection. That's good. That's something that especially event planners that can be a little bit too touchy-feely, they need a little bit of guidance with. But, you know, don't let that take over. Otherwise, you lose what events are about, which is about human fallacies as well. That's what makes an event different. This is why I pick on Apple every time they call it an event, a pre-recorded video, because that's not an event. Mm -hmm. I cannot see any flaws. I cannot see any live component. I can just see, you know, scripted recording. Sorry, but like a YouTube video is not an event to me. Yeah, that's me. Even though like, you know, some people do extremely well using recordings and having chats around it and creating a live component. That's a different conversation to be had on a separate podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, uh, Julius, thank you so very, very much for your time. I've really enjoyed the chat. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.